Hi there, you're listening to the Crunchy Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Rosie, traditional Catholic wife and mother, bringing you messages of hope and encouragement during these crazy times that we're in. Here we'll talk about faith, motherhood, and natural living, but also all the areas in between. I want to help you not just survive motherhood, but thrive in it. In this day and age, we have so many resources at the tip of our fingers if only we put in the effort. I am a firm believer in personal development and always striving to put our best foot forward. Sometimes that means the more technical matters like baby wearing or sleep training, but it also refers to the most important matters such as prayer life and living out the truths of our Catholic faith. While all these resources are nice, I also know that it can be a bit overwhelming knowing where to even begin. That's why I'm here to help you find the balance between all the things that come with mom life while also living out your Catholic faith in a way that is pleasing to God and effective to the development of your soul and the souls of your children. After all, that's why we're here. All right, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello, friends. Oh, my goodness. I know I start most of my episodes lately with, oh, my, it's been a while, but here we are again. It's been a while. So if you've been a faithful listener, you know that my journey over the last year has been that I went from full-time stay-at-home mom to, well, it's been quite a quite a ride. Last year, so very beginning of 2023, uh, I went to work part-time because as is the case for everyone, this economy is just not what it was a few years ago. So I went to work part-time, and then in June, we had just kind of prayed and decided that it still wasn't enough, and I went to work full-time starting in June, and I'm not going to repeat too much of this because I already talked about a lot of this in my last episode. So from June to January, just last month, uh, I was working full-time, and it was a salary job, so I truly was there well over 40 hours a week, and due to the commute, and, you know, trying to get there early, yada, yada, I truly was gotten from home, like, all but maybe one hour of the day. It was very, very, very challenging. Um, My last episode, I talked about it and how, you know, I was just surrendering my faith to God to say, hey, you know, I am someone who would give anything to be home with my kids, and yet this is where I'm meant to be right now. And it was kind of a holy surrender to be like, okay, it's been, you know, at that point, it had been about two months of working there. And I was finally at a point of like, okay, God, I'm going to stop resisting and stop resenting and be like, this is where I'm meant to be right now. And it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the job. Uh, I had a management position at a luxury retirement community. I mean, it was honestly... Getting to know those older people was one of the greatest things of my life, aside from, you know, like my kids and my family and my faith and all that. As far as like life experiences go, it's something that I wouldn't trade for the world. Like I wouldn't go back and change that. Um, It gave me so many new perspectives and just a really great break from what I had been doing for years to kind of like remind myself of what I'm capable of um, because I do feel like I excelled at the position and all of the residents really, really, really came to like me, which felt so nice. I haven't had 
any living grandparents for over a, well over a decade. Um, unfortunately, they all passed when I was still in high school or younger. So getting to know, you know, some of these elderly on a pretty close level was just very refreshing of just overall life perspective, uh, as well as, you know, my actual like leadership skills being put to use was a great reminder of, you know, what I'm capable of. And it kind of gave me a good refresher to be like, okay, if I'm ever not working again, I have a whole new zeal for going home and really, really, really being incredibly disciplined with my time in a twofold way. A, being like, okay, I'm going to have time with my kids again. I'm going to be so disciplined with that and make sure that I'm so, so appreciative of that. And B, from a business owner standpoint, because I just can't ever get away from the entrepreneurial desires of my heart of having a way of making an impact and an income from home, I was able to prove to myself in that time of working that I do have what it takes. I mean, the things that I was doing there and the deadlines that I had to meet and just certain like expectations that sometimes I would look at them and think, oh, this is too hard, but because I had to, I did. And I thought, okay, if I just had this same mindset at home, because of course, when you have like a business from home, there isn't the same accountability aspect. You don't have a boss who's going to say, hey, you didn't finish XYZ, or you don't have, you know, a whole slew of people who are going to be disappointed, let down, you know, their work is impacted because you didn't meet a certain deadline, yada, yada, yada. So I kind of digress. I think I will have some other future episodes talking about owning a business from home because we are in an economy where more and more stay-at-home moms are looking to, you know, start a side hustle. And I have so much to say about that because I see a lot of moms starting similar to how I started, you know, jumping right into maybe an MLM and just like posting every day some kind of graphic directly from the MLM and wondering why they're not having having any sales. And that's because there's so, so, so much more to it. And there's so much that I would tell those moms if I had them all in a room, which luckily I have this technological version of having you all in a room. So again, more episodes on that to come. Um, it's not totally relevant to this episode, but in a way it is because what we're talking about is is crunchy homemaking a fad or were we born for such a time as this? So looping back really quick, uh, January, like I said, I was done working. I am so, so grateful to God. I mean, I, oh boy, again, in my last episode, I talked about just like surrendering to God with that. And it was such a mix of emotions because I enjoyed what I did for work. Like I truly, it felt nice to get ready every day, look really put together. Um, I kept getting like coffee shop gift cards for different reasons, either work incentives or my birthday, where I was like drinking iced coffee a lot. And I just, I looked put together and I was like, is this a dream? Like what an opposite world from, you know, being at home when you're just like in PJs all day dealing with the craziness of your kiddos. So it was a nice like lifestyle change for a bit, but it just wasn't nearly equivalent to like how hard it was to leave them. It isn't something I would ever do if I had a choice of doing it another way. So without going into huge detail of why I was able to come home, um, you know, it was just something that my husband and I really, really prayed for. 
It's kind of like we gave it a try and it just it just wasn't working out. It just wasn't making sense. And not my news to share, but he is undergoing some like career changes and all that jazz so that we can make this work. So it isn't that I suddenly was just making millions off of my rosary bracelets or anything like that. Um, in fact, those have been kind of challenging to keep up with. Now that I've been home again, my kids are just in a different season than they were before I was working. My youngest is just a lot more of a handful. We're homeschooling my oldest. So there's just a lot of things involved. So without going into all of that, again, more episodes on like making income from home to come down the road. I am officially home again. So grateful. And I already have a lot of thoughts on the matter to talk about. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So if you have been a faithful listener and you have been hanging out for my six-month hiatuses, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Okay, it hasn't quite been six months. I think it's been like five, so getting pretty close. And then before that, it had been another break again because I was working and life was crazy. Well, life is always crazy. But anyhow, I want to talk about the fad, if you will, of crunchy moms or crunchy living and the fad of like homemaking, homesteading, all that jazz. So if you are part, if you're a member of Instagram, which I say very eh, mixed feelings with Instagram, mixed feelings with social media overall, um, love hate relationship for sure. But if you are part of any of those, you'll know that it's a very like, popular type of content to come across right now of, you know, moms at home making sourdough bread or moms at home homeschooling even though they didn't used to or wearing aprons, which by the way, I bought an apron or I I got an apron for Christmas. It's the most practical thing in the world. Like why are aprons not a bigger thing? And actually, I think they are becoming a bigger thing. Um, It's actually very symbolic of this overall episode is to talk about how aprons, okay, they were a thing, right? Aprons used to like always be worn. I mean, think about like pictures or shows from like the 50s and 60s. Like I'm picturing when my mom was like when I was younger and I don't even know if she wore an apron. So I almost feel like it was already dead by like the 80s and 90s. So maybe it was like 70s and earlier. I don't know. There's got to be a statistic somewhere, but all I know is they used to be a really popular thing and now they're just not. Like it's not like you can just walk into any store and find an apron. If you do, it's usually like a like a carpenter's apron or a painter's apron or, you know, of course, servers at restaurants are wearing aprons cuz, you know, they should. They get a lot of food on them and it's other people's foods and they got to stick their little uh book in their pocket, yada yada. But as far as moms at home wearing aprons, It seemed that it kind of died down. And you could ask yourself why. Because if you think about it, all of the all of the reasons that moms, wives, what have you, used to wear aprons have not gone away. We still cook, we still bake, we still clean, we still have little kids wiping their little peanut buttery hands on us. I actually as I said that, my eyes just came across my beautiful statue on my desk here. It's called the Kitchen Madonna, and it's our blessed mother. She is wearing an apron. I can't even believe this just happened. That was that was so God. She's wearing an apron. She's holding a broom, and little toddler-aged Jesus is reaching up to her, his little hands touching her apron. 
you know, in the modern times, those would be little peanut buttery hands. He probably didn't have peanut butter on his hands, but I bet you he had something on his hands. So these little kids that are constantly reaching up at us and we're like, ah, you just got peanut butter on my pants or on my skirt or whatever you're wearing. Whereas with an apron, it would have just gotten on the apron. Um, You know, they have pockets when you come across those random tiny things that you're like, oh, I need to put this somewhere, but I don't have the pocket. They are so practical. So why they died down, I'm not sure. Maybe because people thought they looked funny or maybe because people really are cooking and baking and cleaning less. I mean, honestly, if you think about like the really, really, really busy like businesswoman who has kids, she might be hiring a weekly cleaner and she might have all her dinners sourced out. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I know many women who are like that, especially as I just was, you know, re-entered into the corporate world and met many women who were working even more than me and who had several children at home and told me about how, you know, they have like a dinner service and a cleaning service and this and that to each their own. But I would much rather be the one who is serving my family in that way. I feel like it is um, an act of, you know, worship and love for your family, not worshiping your family, worshiping God and loving your family. Anyhow, the apron makes sense, okay? So I got an apron and it just makes sense. Like you're doing dishes and you know you always get that water that splashes up on you or you're trying to awkwardly not let your stomach touch the counter because if it does, it gets wet. And so you're like hunching and then your back's hurting. Why not just wear an apron? And then you can be real close and snuggly with that sink and it doesn't matter if you get wet because you're wearing an apron. Okay. I think I have uh, covered that point enough. And what I mean when I say that it is symbolic of this episode is that overall, the fad, if you will, of crunchy living, homemaking, homesteading, homeschooling, all that, people are almost like dissing it, if you will, as like, oh, what's with this new fad? Oh, this fad will die down. Oh, everyone's just following the trend. Oh, everyone's just trying to keep up with Instagram content or what have you. When really, I'm viewing it as like, wait a second, these things make sense. Baking bread from scratch, which I haven't done yet, but it's on my 2024 goal list, makes sense. Making food from scratch makes sense. Having a garden makes sense. Homeschooling your kids makes sense. I am going to do another episode about that because there's so much that I could say about that. I don't think that it's wrong to not homeschool by any means, but I have discovered many, 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 many positive sides to homeschooling that I never used to think about. And so these families who are doing things like homeschooling, baking bread from scratch, making all these different things from scratch, trying to be home with their kids as much as possible. It isn't because it's a fad or they're trying to be all Instagram worthy. Okay, maybe for some it is. Let's be real. There could be some that are like, they don't know a thing about natural living or homemaking, but they are like, completely just putting on a little facade for their social media. Who knows? It's possible. The point is, I don't think that's the case for everybody. It's certainly not the case for the majority. The majority are people like me, and I'm not even a great example of it because like I said, I haven't even made bread from scratch yet. There's all these things that I am, you know, I'm, I'm on a journey of it all. And that's what everyone is. Everyone who's showcasing all this, I don't really showcase it. I 
commend those who have figured out the time balance of it, but I just can't bring myself to sit and spend 30 minutes making a reel and adding the captions and adding the hashtags and editing the timing and adding the filters and doing all the things to get followers that don't really end up becoming anything. I am a much bigger advocate of things that are evergreen, if you will, which is, for example, this podcast episode, because I can record this, publish it, and people can find it for forever. Um, Unlike the reels, which is like, it might hit off with the algorithm and it might not. And if it didn't, it was a waste of your time. And even if it did, it still could have been a waste of your time because what good came out of it? You know what I mean? Okay, anyways, that'll be more of my um, Side Hustles from Home episode series. So talking again about how this is not a fad, me as an example of this being a journey. These things make so much sense in this time that we're in. And I can honestly look back and say that I feel like the initial explosion of this fad, if you will, I'd like to call it a movement. It's not so much a fad. This is a movement. Like, a movement for good. This is this is so good for society. And I think it, it kind of exploded when COVID happened. Hopefully I can say that word and not get like filtered on this podcast here. <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm good. When COVID first happened and more people were forced to stay home, more people were forced to homeschool, more people were forced to start looking into alternate food sources because we just didn't know what the future held. All these quote-unquote bad things actually uncovered so much good. It uncovered so much more parents staying home, families being together, families needing to rely on gardening and homestead, making food from home. Um, I, for one, am am an example of someone who looked into home birth, even though that wasn't even a consideration for me. But because of COVID, oh my goodness, I don't remember the statistic, but the number of home births in 2020, like after March or April, like as soon as all the rules came out, you can only have one support person, Um, You have to take the test. You have to wear a mask. All these things that a lot of moms were like, no way. It led so many moms to choose to do a home birth. And the statistics of home birth, oh man, I'm going to have to find it. But it was astronomical how many more home births, like significantly. The trend of home births, I want to say, was kind of like dropping over the years, you know, like 2015 to 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. And then boom, second half of 2020, the home births was like through the roof. And I had my second kid that year. He was actually due in May. So I was very far along by the time all these rules came out. And I was planning on having him in the hospital. He was going to be my my V-back. My first kid was a C-section. And then I said, all these extra rules on top of the extra monitoring that I have to have because of being a prior C-section mom, like I'm going to look into home birth. And I literally switched providers at like 34 weeks pregnant, found a midwife, went through all that to cut to the end of the story. Unfortunately, I was unsuccessful and ended up having to transfer to the hospital for another C-section, but it was completely unrelated to the fact that I had tried to have him at home. The point is, I did all the research and all the planning to have him at home to where I then thought, okay, if I ever have another opportunity, like I am having a kid at home. And two years later, I did have my baby at home. So another episode on that way earlier is called uh, The Birth Story of Nolan Ryan. But 
that same year, another one of my sisters was having a baby and she successfully had a home birth. And then two years later, two of my other sisters had a home birth. So I'm not saying that my initial research is what led to all of that, but maybe it kind of helped because I did share a lot of information of being like, hey, you know, so-and-so is a great midwife. Hey, this is the statistic I found about this, blah, blah, blah. In general, not just for me, but for so many moms, they ended up opting for a home birth because of the COVID rules at the hospitals. And that statistic, which I don't remember, but I know it was pretty impressive, is just one example of the many, many positive changes that came out of COVID, which is crazy to think about because in the thick of it, we were all just like, what is this? How can God let this be happening? Like, this is crazy. We just couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But so many of us believers just said, faith over fear, faith over fear, faith over fear. And wouldn't you know, yes, the world is still crazy, but the COVID stuff, for the most part, is, has died down. Wouldn't you know, so much good came out of it. More home births, more homeschooling, more moms finding a way to work from home so they can be with their kids, more gardening, more homesteading, more growing your own meat. I'm not at that point or at that level of doing all those things, but I hope to someday be. So my point being, all these things, even if you may find them on Instagram or Pinterest or TikTok as like a cutesy, filtered, cliche looking real Yes, okay, maybe some of it is a little overdone, but overall, the concept of it, more moms doing more of these things, is a good thing. This is a movement. And, you know, I really, to this point, have only so much talked about, like, the homemaking aspect, but let's just look at the crunchy aspect for a second. I saw someone posted a couple weeks ago. They were like, is anyone else just so sick of this crunchy fad? I used to consider myself a crunchy mom, but now so many other moms who don't even know the first thing about being crunchy are calling themselves a crunchy mom. And it's this whole annoying thing on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And I was reading it, you know, partly thinking to myself, okay, this person, you know, needs to work on some things if they're so triggered by this. But mostly I was thinking, you know, they're kind of right. Like it is becoming a big fad and a big trending thing. And for me, as an example of someone who obviously has identified themselves as crunchy for a long time, the crunchy Catholic, I don't get offended when other people are like, oh, I'm crunchy because I eat an apple every day. You know, like they might say the most random thing and classify themselves as crunchy. I don't get offended by that. I see that as like, hey, they're making the first step toward a journey of bettering themselves, their health, their family, all of that. And I just view it as a good thing. So what if it's a fad? So what if some people are only doing it because of the fad or the trend or to fit in? I'm okay with that. If if you're doing a good thing, I'm okay if the reason is kind of weird. I mean, it's better if the reason is genuine and authentic and it's like completely to the depths of, hey, I researched this so much and that is why I'm choosing this lifestyle. But if it's not, that's okay. And we don't need to shame those people and create this like toxic two-sided thing where you have the crunchy people who are crunchy because they know what it means and the crunchy people who are crunchy because it's a trend. No, that's just creating division where there doesn't need to be division. We are all in this together. We are all just trying to do the best by our families, by ourselves, by our kids, for the glory and honor of God. And it doesn't matter the reasoning for it. 
we are all a team here to educate each other, support each other, inspire each other to do better. So when people are saying things like, oh, I was born in the wrong time, you know, kind of going back to like the reason or the reason for the title of this episode, when people say like, oh, I was born in the wrong era, I want to just be raising chickens on a farm, yada, yada. You weren't born in the wrong era. Like, raise those chickens. Live that homesteading, crunchy lifestyle. That needs to not die down. And if you have all these people thinking they were born in the wrong era and they're a misfit for wanting to live that way, I think we need to shift our perspective and say, no, I'm not a misfit. This is how, like, this is my natural inclination is to live this way making the most of our resources, being the most practical, simplified living, like it just, it makes sense to live this way. So if we are pulled to live this way, we shouldn't view it as we were born in the wrong time. We should view it as we were born for such a time as this. And the more of us that can rise together living this way and spreading like education and resources and encouragement and inspiration to others to live this way, the more we can ultimately change the world. I know that sounds really big picture, but if you think about it, the way we choose to live our lives is not only impacting the world in like a grand picture type of way, but it is directly impacting our kids. I mean, if we weren't brought up knowing how to have a garden or how to you know, bake bread from scratch, like all these things, if we weren't raised that way, we can choose to be you know, the generational, like, breaking of the, it's not, I don't really want to call it a cycle because it's not like it's this big, terrible thing, but we can choose to change it for our generations to come and say, no, we are going to be a lineage who has gardens and who knows how to bake bread and who knows how to make the most of our resources and who prioritizes keeping a simple home and doesn't succumb to the materialism of the world I mean, that is a whole other thing. And I could go on and on and on about all of that. But truly, I feel like the reason crunchy living and homesteading and minimalism, which I haven't even said that word yet, but honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, living minimalistic, and it doesn't have to be like the utmost minimalism, like you have literally one bowl per person in your family and that's it and you wash it each time you use it. I don't mean that. I mean like on a basic level like you try to keep your toys to a minimum you try to keep like you don't have a million extra throw blankets because what purpose are they serving you have however many you need and that's it things like that like basic changes around the house minimalistic living I think is not only very conducive to this like homesteading crunchy lifestyle but it's also almost almost necessary for this homesteading crunchy homeschooling lifestyle because truly if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're a working mom really it applies either way if you have all these extra things if your life is cluttered with stuff with distractions with commitments you are you know a yes man where you just can't say no to anything you are constantly busy constantly up to your knees and stuff around your home and things to do like it's just so 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 much how are you going to have time or the mental capacity or the willpower to do these other things like homesteading and homeschooling researching home birth if that's something you want to look into 
uh, researching crunchy living, implementing more like holistic remedies around your home, trying to make little tinctures from home instead of buying over-the-counter medicine. How are you going to do any of that if you are just barely surviving as it is? And I think looking at society, all of that like materialism, having so many things, being so, so, so busy is what society has become so used to. So part of this movement of taking on a crunchy lifestyle and all that isn't just about taking on all these new things. It's also about saying no to all of these things that aren't serving you or your family. And this mindset of eliminating all the things that don't matter and implementing the things that do is actually something that I really, really, really honed in on on my free workshop that I ran actually almost a whole year ago. Um, It was called Homemaking Hurdles and How to Overcome Them. And what I did with that workshop was it was like a three or four part video series, all these elaborate slides, um, you know, members who participated in it and actually completed watching all of the videos said that it was very, very, very helpful. They really enjoyed it. It was really well done. I got great feedback from it. However, it wasn't the biggest turnout of like people who actually started it and then actually finished it. And so now that it's been a year and I've looked back at that, I've kind of realized, you know, even though I poured a lot of time and effort into making those beautiful slides and making this whole workshop, I kind of feel like I should have done it more simply. Um, It could have been a podcast episode or maybe, you know, maybe three different podcast episodes, like just talking about the the topic instead of having all the slides on it. And I probably could have conveyed the same message. Anyhow, my point with saying all of that is that I actually just decided today, I was looking over, you know, everything I did last year and everything I want to do this year. I decided that I am going to redo that and try to simplify it and then I'm going to make it available for everyone again. Um, Right now it is kind of closed off in a locked section of my website but I'm going to reopen it for people because I feel like now more than ever we all need that information and kind of the reminders of hey these are the things you're doing in your home that are not serving you and hey here's the things you can implement that will serve you and part of the workshop was actually several free downloads so I really want to make it available for more people and then when I ran the workshop last year what I talked about at the very end of it was a homemaking system called Happy Holy Home. So if you've been a faithful follower, member of my Facebook group, all that jazz, you probably know exactly what Happy Holy Home is. It was a course that I talked about. I made it available for a certain amount of time and then I closed it off because, you know, I was trying to run it live and have it only be uh, a certain number of people who could be starting it at the same time and finishing it at the same time. Anyhow, I ran it. We had a good group of people. It went well. We didn't fully finish. It was kind of like my beta mode where I was testing it out. And I honestly, same as looking at my homemaking hurdles workshop, I look back at the happy holy home approach and I think I should have done it more simply. So I'm sharing this with you all because I like to just be completely transparent. It's a lot easier to just be transparent than to be awkwardly like, hey, you remember when I had Happy Holy Home available? Well, now it's available, but it's a workbook. It's not a course. It's easier to just tell you why. And this will be all over my website. So that is what I'm working on right now is 
I don't even want to say the word revamping because it really is actually simplifying. I'm going to simplify the Homemaking Hurdles workshop into something much easier to consume instead of like four videos to watch. It'll be either a two-page uh, digital download that you can read through, like little graphics showing, hey, eliminate this and implement this. Very, very, very simple. Something you can like digest in one sitting will be the goal. Could be a podcast episode, could be the download, not really sure yet. And then the Happy Holy Home, I am actually about halfway through converting that from the course format, including videos and downloads and group accountability, live video chats, all of that. I'm converting all of that into just a workbook. So I had a lot of members who were like, hey, I really like the workbook idea. But when I ran it, I kind of went from like, okay, first we have a workbook and now we're doing video chats instead. And not everyone could keep up with the video chats. It was a little bit overwhelming for some. Honestly, it was even overwhelming for me to run it because I was trying to do a lot of it live. That's just something that, you know, business owners do is you run live videos for accountability and all of that. But now that I think about it, any of those that I've attended myself have usually been from like business coaches or someone who literally does not have little kids at home. And I obviously do have little kids at home. And I know that all of the members who will be taking Happy Holy Home will most likely have little kids at home. That's exactly why you're in the season of needing a workbook like this. So the workbook essentially is a Catholic mother's four-week guide to obtaining a happy, holy home. And it'll be kind of the, like, the way to implement and execute everything that I talk about in the free Homemaking Hurdles workshop slash download slash podcast episode, whatever I will have it turned into. So I just wanted to share all of that because I think it's going to be really, really, really helpful for so many of you, especially if you are listening to this episode. It completely encompasses the entirety of what I just talked about. You know, if you're trying to take on this new lifestyle, you agree with everything I said. You're thinking, yes, I do want to take on more crunchy living and homesteading because it just makes sense. But how can I even think about starting something new when I'm barely surviving in my home as it is? I totally get you. I feel you. I've been you. I still am you sometimes when I'm not completely proactive about these, you know, mindsets and approaches and routines that I talk about in Happy Holy Home. So since I don't have those like finalized up and running at the time of recording this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just link my email subscription link down in the show notes so you can for sure make sure that you're on my email list. If you want to kind of double dip your involvement and make sure that you really find out the moment it's all released, you can make sure that you're not only on my email list, but also in my Facebook group. So I will link both of those. But the thing with the Facebook group is algorithms can be weird. You might not always see it. Um, an email, I know it is going to deliver to your inbox because it that's what it's guaranteed to do. So as long as it's an email that you actually check, um, make sure that you subscribe to the email and add yourself to the Facebook group so that you can be the first to know as soon as all of this is released, as well as just in general, join our community of support and inspiration and resources and all that jazz. Okay, friends, I'm trying to keep these shorter and sweeter than some of the longer ones that I used to record. My goal was like 25 minutes. I think we hit 35, but that's okay. All right, 
Thank you so, so much for listening. And here's to being a lot more consistent with this now that I'm not working again. Praise God. Thank you so much for letting me home, letting me be home with my kiddos. All right. Thanks, listeners. Till next time. God bless you.